Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Fighting and taking on all the plates and pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get We've spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about content moderation questions and more specifically about the Oversight Board, which uh, Facebook set up to review certain content moderation decisions. Just a few weeks ago, we had Jamal Green on uh, to talk more about his book than his role on the Oversight Board. Uh, but this week, we have another board member on, Julie Iwano, uh, specifically to talk not just about the Oversight Board, but its recent widely discussed decision uh, regarding Facebook's indefinite suspension of Donald Trump. Uh, as you've probably heard by now, the Oversight Board upheld the decision to su suspend Trump, uh, but not the idea that it was an indefinite suspension, saying that Facebook's existing policies did not clearly define what merited an indefinite suspension. To some extent, as many have noted, the Oversight Board kind of tossed the ball back into Facebook's court and said that if it wants to permanently suspend Trump, it needs to come up with a clear and transparency policy reason for doing so. Uh, beyond being an oversight board member, Julie Iwano is the executive director of Internet Sans Frontiers, which is a digital rights advocacy organization based in France. Uh, she is also an affiliate at the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard and a digital civil society fellow at Stanford University which all of this must keep her very busy. Uh, and today she's here to talk about the Oversight Board and uh, its latest ruling. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. Great. Uh, so is, is my characterization of the Trump decision accurate, that it's it upheld the decision, but not the indefinite suspension part? It's perfectly correct, indeed. Uh, we uh, found uh, in our deliberations that the company rightly applied to uh, the account of the former president, the pages of the former president, both on Facebook and Instagram, rightly applied the community standard related to the dangerous organization and individual policy, which basically says that you are not allowed to support individuals involved in violent events, for instance, which was clearly the case on January the 6th, and particularly focusing on two publications by the former president in which he re repeated uh, claims around surrounding the election and, you know, said to the people who were involved in the violence that uh, we love you, I'm, I'm quoting uh, mm -hmm. here. Uh, so we, um, we, we thought that the that the way the company had applied the dangerous uh, individual and organization policy was right, and it was right to balance public safety and freedom of expression of a f president at the time, former president now. Uh, it was right to balance it with preoccupations regarding the public safety of all users and the whole community of Facebook on the one hand. But on the other hand, the the fact that this, sanction, this suspension was indefinite, so does not have a date uh, of, of ending and does not have, a, well, I mean, we don't even know if it's permanent, if it, we don't know what's going to, 
motivate uh, a change in this indef indefinite suspension. So we thought this was very arbitrary and uh, that arbitrary does not have a place uh, on, a, on, on a platform like, like Facebook, especially and mostly when freedom of expression is involved. So that's how we came to this ruling. Interesting. Can you um, maybe talk a little bit about the process th uh, by which this decision was made? I know that um, my understanding, at least, was that um, most of, if not all of the board members were somewhat involved in the discussion around it. Yes, we were all involved uh, through uh, emails. We were able to submit comments on, you know, drafts of the decision. They, ha they have been several drafts, a lot, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were able to make comments on each of them. And uh, in addition, of course, to the del deliberation by the panel involved, because uh, I probably did not, not mention it, but uh, we choose five persons who will work deeply on the case. So that means they will have access to all the documents. They will make the deliberations, basically. Mm -hmm. And once they have deliberated, I mean, after each deliberation, uh, they and when they feel that they have a draft that can be presented to uh, the whole board, they do so, and the rest of the board is able to provide comments. Um, and at some point, when we, when we reach a draft that more or less represents the consensus within the board, we put the, the decision for a vote, which we did in this case. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the decision, the draft, receives a majority of uh, votes in favor of it, then it's considered adopted and it's sent to uh, Facebook and to the, the person involved in the case. Interesting. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much you can reveal about, you know, about how it went, but um how uh, was there was there a lot of dissent or, or disagreement or, or was there general consensus um you know if, if you just needed a majority to sort of make it work um i'm i'm curious how much you can reveal about uh the, the sort of internal process here well it, it won't be a surprise for people to to know that there were disagreements within sure. the board uh it's clearly visible in the the opinion that was published uh we've chosen to uh, also explain what the minority opinions were. There were several, for instance, should we ask before allowing the former president back, should Facebook decide to do so? Should uh, we? Should the company ask Mr. Trump to refrain from, you know, sharing unfounded claims related to the previous presidential election, for instance? Uh, so that was one of the minority opinion. The other uh, minority opinion uh, wanted that we specified, we referenced uh, Facebook's policies with regards to dignity and non-discrimination mm -hmm. to take into account previous publications that were not presented to us within the framework of this, of this case. Um, yes, there were, there were discussions, honestly, uh, from, with, I mean, from my experience, uh, it's been a year well, six months that we're taking cases now, a bit more than six months. And it's, it, it's, it, we had some of the most difficult discussions <laughs> with this case, <laughs> I must admit. But what I, uh, what, you know, gives me confidence in what we do is that 
no matter what each of us thinks about the person or about the you know the the events involved what we are all motivated to do is to provide clear answers not only to facebook but to the community of its users clear answers are as to with regards to what they can expect uh when it comes to content being published on the platform what they can or cannot do and we're um, motivated by the idea that the more clarity we have on this platform, the more transparency, the more predictability the user has, probably the less, hopefully the less we will need to <laughs> moderate. That's obviously the utopia here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, you know, it, 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 all of that sounds great in theory, right? <laughs> the, 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 the issue that always seems to come up for me is that it, you know, it's, it's impossible to, to be perfectly transparent and perfectly clear because so many situations are unique, right? And it's like, you know, this, this is a perfect example. I mean, how often are you going to have, you know, the uh, quote unquote leader of the free world advocating for violence to overthrow their, mm. the, the election that they lost? Um, it seems like a unique case. And, and so there's a part of me that, that, like I, I completely agree on on the importance of transparency and clarity, um, but is that really possible when there there are always sort of these these unique cases? Well, <laughs> it's it's as if we were saying right now that this is science fiction. You know that this platform <laughs> could ha could never have been weaponize in one way or another but it has already happened certainly yeah. not in the free world I, that is true although it, it depends you know what i mean there are democracies which have yeah. also used this platform in a way that's not you know that's not compliant with democratic principles yeah. so when you i mean you have to uh speaking with my activist hat uh, here <laughs> uh, i always tell platforms you have to think that science fiction can become reality because that's basically that's basically been our reality for the past 10 years honestly <laughs> what we thought was not possible uh, has become possible at some point i remember internet sans frontières was the first in france in 2011 to file a complaint precisely against facebook on its privacy policies uh referencing risk of uh, with facial recognition, I mean, at the time we didn't even call it that way, but we knew that it. We were questioning: Is it normal that a private company is able to have our biometric uh, information and, uh, well, allow us to recognize ourselves naively to recognize ourselves on pictures? But uh, what what do we knew? What do we know of what's going to happen with those information? Ten years ago, it was science fiction, honestly. But <laughs> look at where we are in 2021. So. The assumption should always be that the, the things can happen, right? And the the better you are prepared, the 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 well, the better response you're able to to give. For instance, we were, I mean, it's quite interesting that uh, a company like Facebook doesn't really have a, a policy with regards to crisis, but there have been lots of crises since the company has existed, right? And some of them have unfolded on on the platform, so. Um, we, we've asked the company, for instance, to think about that. Uh, but to do so and to, to, to yes, to imagine that the, the worst might happen, 
the company, I think, should, yes, pay attention not only to what happens to the United States or when it happens to the United States or, to, or in Europe. I think the company would really benefit, and that here I'm speaking again as the ED of an organization that's been telling this to Facebook and other platforms, pay attention to what happens not in the United States, but beyond the United States and Europe, basically, and in Canada. Because those places where there is, we're talking a lot about regulation, these are places where there is absolutely, I mean, many of these countries, especially in the global south, absolutely have no, zero regulation when it comes yeah. to uh, digital. Uh, or, or when they do, they are the most repressive ones. So uh, it's very easy to, yeah, game systems by doing some, you know, tests, trying stuff. <laughs> and uh, once these stuff are perfected, these tools are perfected, then yes, we can, we can also deploy them, see how they would be perceived in, in more stable places of the world. So yes, uh, to respond to your question, is it possible to be that predictable, that transparent? Perfection doesn't exist, of course, but it, it, it is possible to be better prepared. And Preparation is a process. It's not something that you come up with when the problems arise. That's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think that you, you make a very strong case for that. Um, you know, one of the things that was noted um, with this particular decision is that you had sent a bunch of questions to Facebook and, and one that they kind of refused to deal with was the, the question of whether or not they, uh, you know, how much Facebook contributed to, to the events of, of January 6th. Um, what, uh, sort of what's your feeling on that, on Facebook's kind of refusal to get into that? I think it's very telling, honestly. And that's why, uh, I mean, this information regarding the questions we asked the company and the questions the company refused to respond to, it's, uh, for us, it was important we're talking about transparency here, it was important for the public to know, to know that, first of all, we do not shy away from asking questions, even the hardest ones, uh, because we need those information to make our informed decision on this case. Uh, but the fact that the company refuses even to talk about, to respond to us, and basically tells us, well, this is in your, rep this is in your remit, this is not in your remit, that, that's interesting. And it opens a dialogue, actually, in my opinion, uh, a public conversation on, um, yes, what, 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 what kind of information the board needs to make its decision. And um, I've, speaking of experience, as a board member, I have seen that uh, when, when we had asked questions, first the company, well, said, this is not useful for you in this case. But then later, it did provide this information at another occasion, of course, in other cases. But I think it's important to, yes, to be public about that and also have the company rethink uh, its position uh, with regards to what we may or may not need to come to the decision that the company is asking us to make. Yeah. Um, you know, w with the the part of the decision that, you know, basically, um, you know, pushed back on Facebook and, and told them that they had to, you know, effectively justify the indefinite suspension. Um, you know, it's been interesting to see sort of the public reaction to that. 
Um, well, actually, let me ask, like, uh, how do you feel about the public reaction to the decision so far? <laughs> I would say that we expected a lot of the criticism. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we, we, the, the people who think the board is useless continue to do so. So right. that I guess that's probably a good sign. I don't know. And and people who think that we're the board is contributing to, uh, you know, further censorship. We also are used to that, although before we were perceived as too liberal in terms of speech. Well, I, I mean, we, we knew that n- not everybody would be happy. We, sure. that's, that wasn't the aim, really, of when we made this decision. Uh, the, the pleasing people was, not, was really not on the top of the agenda. But instead, what we think is important here is the principle. Mm-hmm. Um, we are at an existential moment, I think, for freedom of expression. Um, I am of those activists, and my organization is of those that constantly keeps on saying, what are we accepting in the name of fighting disinformation? What are, I mean, look at ourselves and how are we making sure that we're not uh, transforming this fight, this right fight against uh, disinformation into a fight against freedom of expression. We have seen that at several occasions. Uh, the cases probably won't interest the general global audience, but they are very serious. So um, we, we, we knew that it was important with this decision not to think about the opinions, but rather to rem- remind everyone that we're all bound by the same will to protect freedom of expression. Yes, no, at, at any cost. And uh, yes, here, the principle, I mean, the, the, the freedom of expression was, um, yeah, and clearly limited. And the lack of clarity can never play against freedom of expression. So that's why we have asked the company to be, be, be clear, uh, and then we can have enough I mean, we can have all on all elements on our plate to make the the best it is the best and the most informed decision on yeah. the limitation of that freedom of expression. Yeah, I mean, it's it it is interesting. I mean, I think we've seen over and over again, you know, with the the first sets of of decisions so far that for a lot of people, no matter what their opinion was beforehand the decisions just reinforce those opinions. <laughs> so so it's it's kind of interesting to see the sort of, you know, Rorschach test element of, 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 you know, how people view all of these um, decisions. Though, you know, one of the things that to, to me at least feels clear, and, and I'd, I'd love to hear you sort of respond to this, is that, you know, with each of these decisions, it feels like the oversight board is really trying to clearly stake out its role. Um, and, you know, beyond just making these decisions, you know, almost all of the decisions have some element of the oversight board effectively trying to assert its authority or, or potentially push the boundaries of its authority as, as believed by Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and is, is that kind of an important element of, of what the oversight board is doing at this point? And, Related to that, is that something that you expect the Oversight Board to continue doing long-term, or do you think that settles down at some point? 
we are a new body that doesn't have uh, an equivalent, at least in, in this extent, right. uh, an equivalent in, in history. So we, yes, I think we, we need to build our legitimacy. We, we need to, uh, um, to make sure that, yes, our, the, the mission, the mandate that we have is understood by, by everyone and perceived as positive, really, in this debate on freedom of expression online and particularly the, the company's role in it. Um, and to do that, yes, we, it's important to, to, to tell things at the beginning. We have also a big disadvantage which we're constantly reminded of is that this was an idea of Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, right. Mark Zuckerberg has worked on it for two years or a lot of things have been said about the idea coming from the company. That is true. Although I will also say, having myself participated in many of those, of those consultations, this result that the, the, I will talk as a, as an engineer here, product <laughs> that we have right now is, a. Yes, it's a result of inputs from a lot of people around the world, not just the company. I, I, I believe even that the company just, comp I mean, to some extent, compiled many of the consultations that happened. So, um, yes, we, we have to, we have this history that we also have to acknowledge and to, to prove that, yes, we are a product of a process that started within a company. That is true. But we are individuals uh, who are here because, uh, well, we we have interesting um, elements, principles, guidelines to bring to this to this uncharted territory of how should you know rights be protected, rights should be applied by companies online. Uh, well, we have a lot of things to to propose and. Yes, let's let's try. It's it's really an experiment, like one of my colleagues, Ronaldo Lemos, says. Let's try and and maybe, and I'm really confident about that. Maybe we will come up with some very interesting things, and we can we can see that already. Uh, if you look at the first sets of decisions that we published earlier this year, um, many of them had so binding. What it's important. What is important to remind the audience is that. On the one hand, we might we make binding decisions on the case. So let's say mm -hmm. X has had uh, her or his content being taken down and um, not happy comes to the board. We make a decision. Facebook should put it back or should li leave it down. That's a binding, the binding aspect of the decision. But we also make recommendations uh, with regards to how Facebook can improve its policies. And while these are just recommendations, the company has to respond to them and to say whether or not it will apply them. And this dialogue is actually one of the most interesting parts of my work, I find, because the company did respond to the first set of recommendations that we, we published. Uh, some of them involved its policy with regards to disinformation and misinformation in the times of COVID, uh, which we said was not, I mean, it was very difficult to understand what's Facebook policy with regards to fake news uh, related mm -hmm. to the pandemic. Uh, the, the policies were scattered all around the website. It, it wasn't clear at all. Uh, so the company has started to consolidate all its policies with regards to COVID-19 
and it has published uh, a first set of you know changes that have happened and that dialogue for me is very interesting and very encouraging and the fact that it happens in the public eye uh, with people now able first to understand why or why not a company might implement a recommendation because the recommendations we make are based on many of the work that exists out there that many organizations have been doing. But having, with my organization, made recommendations to companies, we not always had responses with regards to why or why not you cannot implement this recommendation. But now with the board and the fact that the company has to respond publicly, we have a better, yes, a better understanding of the company's limitations and we're yes better equipped to criticize them and push back if needed yeah yeah i mean it's it's been interesting to watch um i wonder do you think i mean the this this decision obviously got a lot of attention and and certainly you know from fans of the former president um they got very mad about it which it's totally to be expected um and not much to be to be done about that um but um do you do you worry to some extent that that such a high profile decision with such strong opinions among users not obviously not based on on a thorough reading of of what was written but just you know their feelings towards the individual in question do you think to some extent um that criticism you know challenges the legitimacy of the board in some way no i think it's even honestly it's it's helpful mm -hmm. to to be very honest it would be uh it would be weird even <laughs> if we evolved in a an ocean of compliments and happiness right. and <laughs> So no, those criticisms are extremely important and uh, help us uh, get better at what we do. Yeah. Um, and also think about, we also have to speak to the skeptics. And these are, I would say, even the, the, the people we have to speak to in the, first, in the first place, in my opinion. So no, I, 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 we understand. I say we here because that's really something that's central at the board. We understand and we're keen on speaking with everyone, really. Um, we we did receive a statement from the former president. Of course, it's part of the process, so uh, it's not you know a favor or anything. It's absolutely normal. And we we have learned a lot reading that that statement, which we published some some elements in the in the decision. Mm -hmm. um, we it was interesting, for instance, to to read uh, the, the rationale is with regards to why we shouldn't refer to international norms when it comes to public officials of countries. And in that case, uh, we were asked to look at things with the U.S. constitutional law lens and not the uh, international law lens. So it was, it was informative as well uh, to, to, to read that. And uh, yes, what... That's basically what I can say. We're listening to the skeptics, uh, and it helps us also. Uh, but provided, of course, that the, the critics are fair. We're not here to... The political game, honestly, is not of interest for us to, to be very direct and, and, and honest. What is really interesting for us is, yes, are we doing our job, which is giving 
yeah, the, the, oh, the community of Facebook users and Instagram users giving clarity on what, it, what does it actually mean to safeguard freedom of expression on social media platforms. That's what is interesting to do here, I think. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, another criticism that, that I've heard a lot um, that I, I, I don't necessarily agree with, but I'd, I'd love to hear your sort of take on it or response to it is, you know, that the oversight board and the, the setup of it is entirely about, you know, uh, Facebook avoiding taking responsibility for its own decisions. Um, and I'm curious what you think of that, that framing. I think that framing was proves to be to be not to be correct. The this last decision for, for me is a clear signal that we we're not here to shield the company from the decisions it makes on a daily basis. Because uh, we have to re remember the board has ninety days to make its decision. For for some people, it's too long. Uh, <laughs> I would say that freedoms require some thinking, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and if we we can take that time in order to come up with decisions that can impact the greater number, that's also very interesting. So um, the company continues to make to make decisions on a daily basis. Recently, we. We learned reading The Guardian that, well, there are countries that simply do not interest the company <laughs> uh, in terms of enforcing its policies, especially its policies regarding to inauthentic behavior. Hmm. So, uh, the, yeah, the company will continue to make decisions and, and bad decisions from, for some. <laughs> so, no, what, what we are here to do is to help the company get better <laughs> for right. its daily its daily conduct of business and make sure that yes they include all these preoccupations with regards to human rights and help them decipher how they should do that is our role not to yeah not to make the decisions in in lieu of uh or substituting ourselves uh to the company i don't think that would be helpful here yeah i mean i think that's especially clear by the you know indefinite suspension part being sent back to Facebook. Um, you know, an, another criticism, and this is one that um, has been raised by by uh, my colleague, Kathy Gellis, is that um, to some extent, this process um, sucks the energy and time and resources of people who might be better off spent doing other stuff. Um, so like, you know, we filed a comment, um, you know, on this particular decision. Um, I know like a lot of the other decisions have, have gotten some comments, not, not necessarily a huge amount. This one, I think got somewhere in the range of 10,000 comments or so. Um, and so, you know, we spent time sort of thinking through what, what kind of, uh, you know, comment we wanted to make and, and then worked on it. Um, and so, you know, her concern was that it, it's, it's, you know, sort of this, it has its own gravity, I guess, <laughs> that pulls a bunch of people into working on, you know, specifically a Facebook problem when there are potentially larger um, issues that people could be spending their time on. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Uh, I would say it's, it's never time wasted, in my opinion. Um, I'm saying this as someone who has worked in, in places of the world where we don't even have this right. type of debate. <laughs> I, I always tell, why did I, I, I will talk a bit of personal history here because I think it, it's helpful to understand sure. my response. I chose to join the, the Berkman Klein two years ago as a fellow because I thought we are here at the grassroots level. So Antoine Saint Frontier is based in France, works on issues around digital rights, not only in France, but in other places and specifically in Africa. Mm-hmm. And having worked on that part of the world, on the cyber, cyber development in that part of the world, I remember that, for instance, 10 years ago, we, did, we were seeing on Twitter weird, weird accounts from India, Turkey, whatever, commenting on countries that, you know, had nothing to do with, with those people, countries like Gabon, for instance, which is located in, in the Gulf of Guinea in West Africa. Well, I, we found it weird that these people would comment on Gabon, but we didn't understand that this was inauthentic, inauthentic that was these were trolls or bots, or, but we didn't have that vocabulary at the time. Uh, and 10 years later, well, we woke up and figured out that, yes, this wasn't wrong. This was wrong, actually, uh, in, the, in, the, in the frame of what was happening in the U.S. after the U.S. presidential election. So to say that it's never in vain because it's always helpful, uh, it's especially for parts of the world where a lot of wrong things happen, but activists there do not necessarily have the vocabulary to put on it and to assess that this is not right. That's the one thing that I would say. And the the second thing is, I don't think, you know, working on these issues around content moderations keeps us away from having necessary conversations about the rest. Of course, the business model, the ad-based business model and the, the, you know, the harnessing of personal data that it, that's involved uh, and um, uh, the algorithmic ch- choices made by the, the, the company. I mean, these, we received a lot of <laughs> comments that involved reference to this, uh, to these problems too. And uh, as you've read in the, in, the, in the decision, we also, well, asked questions about this because we, we came to this job a year ago when it was launched with, yes, you will work on leaves up and takedowns, but evolving in the job and also, of course, listening to conversations, reading the papers, we've very rapidly realized that this binary is absolutely false and that we might have to look at other kind of, you know, penalties and, and other ways in which the, the network functions. So, I mean, the platform functions. So, yes, it, I, I don't think it's a waste of time that, to summarize my, my response. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. We, we had just had uh, um, on the podcast, we had Eric Goldman talking about his recent paper on alternative remedies beyond leave up and take down. And, I received and, it through uh, uh, Daphne Keller. Thank you so much, Daphne. Oh, and yes. uh, it's, it's my plan to you know, dive into it this weekend. I mean, soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And it's something that, that, you know, I think is, is 
really important. And it's, it's, it is, it's so interesting to me to just sort of think through, you know, this is such a, a, a weird space, like the whole content moderation space in general, because it impacts so many people. And yet there's so many nuances and complexities that, that, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to wrap your head around, even if you're deeply engaged in, in the process. And there's so many different, you know, factors and variables and trade-offs and nuances and, and, and all of these elements. Um, and, and that's part of the reason why I, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, from the outside, somewhat fascinated by the, the concept of the oversight board and, and everything that's happened so far, because it, it is sort of a recognition that you need like some level of deep comprehensive thought <laughs> and, and de debate over, over some of these decisions while at the same time recognizing that, you know, the scale of the issue makes that somewhat impossible. And, and so as, as an attempt to kind of balance those two factors is, is just fascinating to me, <laughs> you know, whether or not it, it ends up being successful. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting space <laughs> to, no. to, to think about. No, I, I, I agree. And, um, on, honestly, again, personal history, when I, when I accepted, I, I wasn't, yeah, I hadn't measured how, yeah, how, how very, uh, complex. I mean, I knew there were complexities, uh, but that level of complexity now I also <laughs> have to think about, yes, the commercial aspect, the technical implications, the scaling, you know, as an activist, you know, you just, you have an idea, you do it and, <laughs> and right. advocate, right? Um, but yes, no, it's more complicated. There, there, there are technicalities involved and there are commercial issues involved. But what I think is, is interesting is I, I was in a discussion yesterday uh, with Alex Tamos, who's the director of uh -huh. um, the, yes, the Internet Observatory yes. at Stanford. And he was saying this, which I found fascinating. He, he used the analogy with, you know, iteration when you're designing a, a, a technology. Um, this, yes, this, this idea that, okay, we'll make recommendations or we make a decision, then the company will implement the decision and try to implement the, the changes that we've uh, said are required. Well, probably that will, that will not work perfectly so we'll probably have another case that will allow us to refine whatever that didn't work the previous time so i find this process of iteration quite interesting and yes um and and it also forces us as board members to step out of our comfort zone very often <laughs> and uh and yes think about aspects of issues that we had never given a thought about before so yeah it's it's fascinating definitely <laughs> yeah no and i i think i think that is like the the sort of iterative nature of it um is a really important point and it's one that i think that has gotten less attention um than than it should right because it, it feels like you know for for many commentators on all sides of of the debate like there's this feeling of what we have today is is and forever will be you know the, mm, the yes. state of the world yes. um and and clearly that's not true and no. and historically we should recognize it but but 
but mentally it's very difficult to recognize like the world <laughs> is going to keep changing um yes. and and like i mean i fall into that trap all the time too um but you know the nature of the ability to to continually iterate and that that's you know again that's on all sides of this right i mean the sort of you know problematic actors the the um you know whether on purpose or unintentionally you know they evolve also and the technology evolves and the, the decision making space evolves and and all of this is is continually changing and the ability of of everybody to keep iterating um is you know i mean it's part of what makes society society but it's Absolutely. It, it's, Absolutely. it's a really interesting, I, interesting thing i like your analogy with the bad actors um you're that's completely true i think they're they have even been more innovative than the good yeah. ones on the platform i mean on the online space uh so yes i completely agree with this idea that why not why don't we also test but the good things it's it's some people don't like the idea of you know testing but i think it can be it can be uh yeah it can be it can be helpful i mean we we can use also yeah. the tools of the <laughs> the oppressors and and actually turn them into <laughs> interesting things yes just to, to stress on what you said yeah no no i i think that's that's important um i, I wanted to just really quickly we're, we're almost uh out of time but um there was, there was another decision um that came out the week before the the trump decision which i which got very little attention but i actually thought was really interesting as well um and it, it was about a, a takedown in india um do you want to describe what happened really quick? Because you can probably do a better summary than I could. Yes. Yeah, so it involved a uh, a video by um, my religious minority group. So uh, a person was interviewed and was criticizing the uh, policy put in place by the the BGP to ex exclude that religious um, minority Punjab, Punjabi uh, minority, and so the. The 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 board was uh, you know appealed to because the users that video had been taken down um, for violating the dangerous uh, organization and in, oh, sorry the dangerous organizations and individuals policy mm -hmm. and um, well it wasn't I mean when the case came it wasn't really clear what. <laughs> what trigger? I mean, yeah. What what was wrong? Basically, was BJP. So BJP is the the government um, party. So the ruling party in India right now. Um, wh what was wrong actually in the in the video? And uh, this case was actually the occasion to question the company on the criticism that it has received, especially in India, for deleting minority voices that are right. criticizing the, the current government, who we know is absolutely opposed to, yes, criticism online. We've seen that yes. with the, the current COVID-19 crisis in the country in which the government is basically asking Twitter, Facebook, and all of the platforms to take down whatever post says that the government is not handling crisis farewell so um we did ask facebook whether or not it had received pressures in this uh in in, in this case or in in general in in, in the to to take down 
publications by religious minorities in the country. And um, what, what was also interesting in that case is that the company, so answering to some of our questions that we're allowed to ask the company, well, the company responded that <laughs> itself it didn't understand it didn't it, it 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 agreed that the content shouldn't have been taken down in the first place, and that was probably uh, a, a a mistake given well due to the current uh, lack of human moderators. I mean the length. So they refer reference to the length of the video. They said the video was too long. So maybe the moderate. Uh, yes, the moderator. Yes, basically, well, didn't have enough time. We know how difficult their work of moderation is. They have, you know, productivity uh, goals to achieve every day. So obviously watching 17 minutes video is not uh, perceived as product productive. Uh, but uh, yes, the reference to the length of the video and also the fact that the COVID had disrupted the ability of moderators to work within the moderation facilities. So, yeah, that there were very interesting elements that we, we learned with that case. But what we told uh, the company was that um, this was this was not enough, honestly, to justify, because the speech involved was absolutely, I mean, was important. I mean, every speech is important, but I think even more for minority voices. We know that historically, and that's how Mark Zuckerberg and, and all Facebook executives continue to present their platform. Our platform <laughs> is here to help people who normally wouldn't have a, a voice to have that voice and be connected to potentially humanity. That's wonderful. But if you, at the same time, suppress those very voices that you say, you say are very welcome on the platform, yes, there is a problem there. So yeah, can I mean, do much better. Yeah, I mean, th th that's part of what struck me about this is that, you know, so much of the discussion and, and focus and certainly the headline uh, discussions around content moderation focus on the really high profile cases, the, you know, the Donald Trump's of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and partly to me, those are the least interesting, right? Because you have, you know, it's the people without a voice and the, the marginalized and the minorities who are speaking out against oppression or, or complaining about, you know, leaders in power, um, you know, they, they get taken down off of these platforms all the time, um, often for mistaken reasons or for silly reasons, but they can't, you know, run to the, the New York Post or whoever to, to get a giant story yeah. written about it. And so we yeah. don't hear about those things. And, and that's what struck me as really, you know, noteworthy about that case was, the, you know, what was described there was a much more common occurrence. And it was just, you know, Facebook more or less said, yeah, hey, we, we messed up and we just didn't have a process in place to fix the, the mess up. Yes. Um, and I and I think that is that's such a common issue in all these debates, but gets almost no attention in part because, you know, because of the nature of that when it is the, the more marginalized, um, less powerful people in society who face these issues, they, they don't have recourse like other people do. Yes. And that's why I'm particularly um, proud that the, the, the board is, has understood that it, it's also a window for these communities that are not heard and that keep 
on being silenced everywhere they go. Uh, we are a window to these communities too, and we, 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 shouldn't, we should never forget that. And, and, and yes, setting the rules. We have also, even in the cases of the powerfuls, we also have to keep in mind the least powerfuls. That's what we did in the Trump decision, to get back to that one. We said uh, we should, we're asking Facebook to uh, apply its rules and set clear standards with regards to how it applies uh, strikes and, and, you know, moderation rules to powerful, influential users' pages. Uh, but it should do so without, <laughs> you know, ceding to manipulations of political interest that are willing to, well, present those certain influential voices who are actually using their platforms to to also denounce inequalities and, and, just, and injustice. Well, the platform should make sure that it's not using its rules to, yes, yeah, silence also these influential users that are using their platforms to better represent those who don't have normally a, a voice. So, yes, just to say that we are always keeping in mind the different types of users that are on these platforms, from the most powerful ones to the least powerful ones. And making those decisions, we have to balance all this. And yes, it's difficult, but it's very, <laughs> very fascinating again. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. This is, this is, this is fascinating. So, uh, Julie, thank thank you so much for for taking the time and and having this discussion. It's you know I'm I'm really fascinated by this subject, and it's always interesting to talk to people who, you know, actually have to think through and make some of these decisions. And and um, and uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you for you know allowing the board and myself particularly to yes explain more our mission and our mandate and uh, our work, basically. That, I, that was really a fascinating discussion. Thanks so much, Mike. All right, thank you, and thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week.